I've been teaching on how that we have been delivered from the bondage of the Old Testament law. And you know, when you say that to a lot of Christians, that just is offensive to them because most people have embraced this as being God's standard and he gave the law to us to help us. I've shown, I used probably two or three dozen scriptures that the law was given to kill us, to enslave us, to make sin come alive and on and on and on. And what I've been trying to do is to show that the true nature of God wasn't to have all of these rules and regulations and to punish people and to smite them with the botch and mildew and emrods the way that the scripture uh, reveals that he did in the Old Testament. For 2,000 years, he operated in mercy towards people, not imputing their trespasses unto them, Romans 5, 13. Then he gave the law and did hold people's sins against them for a temporary period of time. That's what I talked about this morning out of Galatians chapter three, that the law was added because of transgressions until the seed should come, talking about Christ. It was just temporary. It wasn't ever meant to be the dominant way of God dealing with people. And yet people have misinterpreted the law and think that that's the way that God is. And that God is this harsh, punishing God who wants to hold everything against us. And so anyway, that's what I've been teaching on. And I could teach a lot of other things. I would like to refer you to a teaching that I've gotten titled The True Nature of God. That's basically what I've been teaching about. And in that series, after it firmly establishes that it's by grace, that God doesn't demand you perform up to a certain level before he will move in your life, then I show why it's important for you to live holy. And I go into Romans chapter 6 and do some other things. And I would love to teach on that. But you know what? I'm going to go a little different direction tonight. So anyway, if you want to get the, the balance to this and about how it is important that you act properly, you need to get that series on the true nature of God. What I want to do tonight is talk to you about what I call spirit, soul, and body. And this is a revelation that God gave me that just changed everything around. And in a nutshell... What I've been describing this week was something I experienced. When I was eight years old, I got born again. But when I was 18, I had become a religious Pharisee. I didn't do it on purpose. But when I got born again, I was told that you had to live right and you had to do all of these things. My dad died at 12 years old and I was told it's because we didn't pray enough and because we didn't do enough of all of this stuff. And so it was, you know, God wouldn't answer our prayer. And man, I became committed to doing everything that they told me to do. I read the Bible hours a day, prayed hours a day as a teenager. I was leading three to five people a week, quote unquote, to the Lord when I was a teenager. I never missed church. I was uh, doing everything they told me to do. I'd have given up bubble gum if they'd have told me that bubble gum was bad. I was seeking God and doing everything I was told to do and had no power, no joy in my life. My very best friend during that time recently saw me on television, was in an alcoholic uh, rehab center, got born again, reconnected and came and shared his great testimony with me and then said, when did you get born again? And I said, when I was eight years old. And he was super offended because he says, why didn't you tell me? And I wasn't being the salt to people. I wasn't helping people. Matter of fact, I pulled away from him because I saw him going the other direction. And instead of me helping him, I just thought that he was a challenge to me. And I got this Pharisee syndrome. And um, anyway, it's a long, long story. But on March the 23rd, 1968, God 
pulled a curtain. It's just like I couldn't see. I didn't have understanding because of religion and my good works were in the way. And I was looking down my nose at everybody else. And on this Saturday night, March the 23rd, 1968, God used the law on me, basically, even though I was born again, just to deflate me and show me that I was a zero with the rim knocked off and that all of my religious stuff meant nothing to him. And that, man, I wasn't, I didn't deserve anything. I was trying to earn God's favor and he just totally deflated me. And I mean, for an hour and a half or two hours in front of the leaders of the church, my best friends, all of the people that I'd been trying to impress, I humbled myself and turned myself inside out and confessed things that uh, just made me look terrible. I confessed thoughts, attitudes that I didn't even know I had before the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I repented of stuff that just ruined my reputation. And I expected God to kill me. Somebody may think I'm exaggerating, but with the doctrine I had, God's want to kill my dad. God's want to punish people. God would do things to you if you weren't serving him. And when I saw how totally ungodly I was, not in outward actions, but in attitudes, in judgmental attitudes and stuff like this, I fully expected God to kill me. I really did. But right before he killed me, I was going to confess everything I could think of so that maybe if I died, I'd still go to heaven. And for about an hour and a half or two hours, I just turned myself inside out and confessed this. And I had nothing left to give. I repented and it was genuine repentance. And when I got through expecting God to kill me, instead, I had a tangible love come over me for four and a half months. I got caught up in the presence of God. I was gone someplace. And I never slept more than an hour at a time. I never sat down and ate a meal for four and a half months. I was in the presence of God. I couldn't do anything except just worship and praise God. And it was awesome. But after four and a half months, the emotion wore off. You can't live on that level. God doesn't want you to live on that level. I can preach a message on that. But here's my point in saying all of this, that when that happened, I knew intuitively that God loved me separate from my goodness. Because for the first time in my life, I'd seen that I didn't have any goodness, that there was nothing good on the inside of me, that I was a hypocrite, that I was a Pharisee. There was nothing good about me whatsoever. And for the first time in my life, I fully understood that. And yet, that's when I experienced His love. The thing I'd been trying to earn by being good, I finally got when I recognized I wasn't good and I just threw myself on the mercy of God. And it was wonderful, but it was confusing at the same time. My whole theology was now ruined because I thought that you had to be good enough to earn this and to get God to bless you and to love you. And I had experienced God's love. And so I knew intuitively that it had nothing to do with my goodness because I had had that deception removed. And so I knew it, but I couldn't understand it. How could God love me? I didn't love me. There was things about me that were absolutely wrong. And I just couldn't understand how a holy God could love an unholy me. And it, even though I experienced it, I couldn't reconcile it. And here's a, here's a great truth. I've talked to a lot of people that have had some type of similar thing where they experienced the love of God in nearly a tangible way and it made a big impact on their life. 
but they didn't get their mind renewed. They didn't understand it. In Matthew 13, 19, when Jesus was teaching on the parable of the sower sowing the seed, he said, this first type of person is a person that heard the word, but didn't understand it. And Satan came immediately and stole the word out of their heart. Understanding is absolutely essential to retain something that God has done in your life. If you don't understand it, Satan will steal it. And even though I had this experience, I would have lost it if I hadn't have started understanding some things. And I've had hundreds, hundreds of people come to me and say that they had a miraculous encounter with God, but they never understood it. They didn't have anybody explain it to them and they'll lose it over a period of time. The vast majority of people that have had a major encounter with the Lord lose it because they don't get their mind renewed. And you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was that right during this time, I got drafted and sent to Vietnam. And in Vietnam, I had nothing to do. I was on a fire support base. I was a chaplain's assistant and I didn't have a chaplain. And so I just sat there. And I pulled bunker guard every night and I sat there all day long and I studied the word up to 10, 15 hours a day is all I did. And God began to teach me some things through the word that allowed me to understand how a holy God could love somebody who isn't holy. And it revolutionized my life. And this was the key that unlocked everything for me. And I just want to share briefly with you some of the things that God showed me. And the reason this is important is because I've been talking about that God isn't judging us and dealing with us based on our performance and that you're righteous and that you're holy and God loves you. And most people can't understand that because you only know yourself in the natural. You only know the part of you that you can see and that you can feel. But there is another part of you that most people don't know that's there. And if you don't understand this and understand John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you can't understand that God sees you differently than, he see, than you see yourself, there is a part of you that most of you don't know. You don't even know that it's there. And you feel hypocritical going around talking about that I'm righteous and God loves me when you don't feel it. And if you don't understand this, you'll lose it. And so all of the things that I've said this week, I believe will be lost if you don't have some understanding of this. And so I just want to share this with you as quickly as I can. And I've got really everything I teach is the same thing. I just put a different title on it and use a different scripture. But uh, so I've got hundreds and hundreds of hours of teaching on this. But look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and let me share some things with you that the Lord used to change my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's start reading with verse 16. It says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. I've got a couple of hours worth of teaching on that verse. And it's hard for me to just skip over these things that are so important in my life, but I've got to do it or I'll never get to the next verse. Let me just say that not only... Do you not know people after the flesh? But you know what? Most of us don't even know ourselves. If I was to ask you, who are you? You'd tell me whether you were a male or a female. You know, maybe your uh, status as far as your finances, whether you're a CEO or whether you're an hourly laborer. You could tell me if you're fat or skinny. You could tell me 
uh, if you're old or young and you could tell me some things about you, but all of that is stuff on the outside. That's not the real you. Then some of you could say, well, but I'm really an introverted person or I'm an extrovert or I'm a can-do type of person. But you know what? That's not you either. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, he's praying a prayer and he says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That verse, there's a lot of scriptures, but that verse shows that you got three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The body is obvious. The body is a part of me that you see. You have a body and you know your body, you feel your body. And, but you know that there's an inner person too. That's your emotions. Like for instance, I could come up and hit you in the arm and you could feel that and say that hurts. But I could come up and hurt you without ever touching you. I could say something to you that would hurt you and offend you. And you're aware of that inner person, this feeling. But functionally, that's all that most people know is that you're a body and a soul. That's what the Bible calls your personality part is your soul. And all of us are aware of that part. You're in touch with that constantly, but functionally, that's all that most people realize. And so if I ask you, who are you? You would describe male or female, height, weight, maybe what you do. You might tell me how you feel, whether you're encouraged or discouraged, an optimist or a pessimist, but all of that's still describing your soul. When I say, who are you in Christ? What's happened? What do you have? Most Christians draw a blank and yet that's one third of you. And according to the next verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Man, what a radical statement that is. It says that if you are in Christ, that's talking about if you are born again, you are a new creature. One translation says a new species of being that never existed before. It didn't say that you are in the process of becoming new. It didn't say that you have the potential of being new. It's past tense. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away, have passed away. They aren't going to pass away. They've already passed away. Behold, all things. Behold means look, everything is new. Most Christians don't understand that and don't believe it. Most Christians think, well, my sins are forgiven and I'm becoming better. I'm becoming more like Christ. You'll hear Christians all the time saying, oh God, just make me righteous. You ought to get born again. Oh, well, I am born again, but I still want to be righteous. No, you were created righteous. If I can talk fast enough, I'm going to show you that verse. Everything in you in the spirit is already done. And yet people say this can't be. Why? Because you only know yourself in the natural on the outward and in the soulish realm. You go look in a mirror and you think this is righteous. No, there's promises that as Jesus is, that's the way I'm going to be. I'm not like Jesus. And you look and you see that you do things wrong and you, you still have problems and you know that your body isn't the way it's supposed to be. And you just, you look at the Bible and you say, the Bible is so hard to understand. That's because you're trying to see it in your physical body. This physical body isn't saved. My soul isn't saved. People use that terminology all the time. And there's twice in the New Testament that it talks about soul salvation, but that's talking about being delivered from depression and discouragement and stuff. When you get born again, it's not your soul that gets saved, your mental, emotional part. You can prove that because if you were stupid before you got saved, you're still going to be stupid after you get saved. Your mind doesn't instantly change. You don't lose all of your memories. 
Your soul isn't. It's obvious that it's not your physical body that's got saved because if you were fat before you got saved, you're still going to be fat after you get saved. But 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if when you were in Christ, old things are passed away, all things are become new. It also says that in Christ, there's neither male nor female. That's obvious that that's not talking about your body because we have females and males in here. Your body's not saved. Your soul, the emotional part of you is not saved. It can be saved. It can be changed. It's in the process of changing But the scripture here says that if you're in Christ, it's already done. You are a brand new creature. And this is what just revolutionized my life. I thought, God, how can this be? Because I saw things in me that I didn't like. I knew that I needed to change. I needed to do things. I was still discouraged. I still had thoughts that I shouldn't. And yet the Bible says that I'm changed. How does it work? That's when the Lord showed me. I have a spirit and it's the spirit part of you that got born again. The spirit part of you is totally changed. It's not in the process of being changed. It's already changed. Another way of saying this is one third of you is already as perfect and complete as it will be in heaven a million years from now. Your spirit is not going to be changed. It's not going to have to be dusted off, given a new dose of the Holy Ghost, given more of the power of God to bring you up to a different level. The spirit that's on the inside of you is exactly the way it'll be a million years from tonight in eternity. Your spirit is completely changed. And I'll show you some verses on this. Your spirit is identical to Jesus. It has his power, his anointing, his mind, his love, joy, and peace. Everything that is true of Jesus is true of your born again spirit. That's already done. And some people just overload on that and say, this can't be. Why? Because you think if I was like that, I'd know it. For instance, if I was to say, are you hot or cold right now? You don't have to say, well, let me think about it and I'll pray about it and I'll study and I'll come back to you tomorrow and let you know whether I'm hot or... You just instantly monitor your body and you know if you're hot or cold, if you're tired of sitting, if you have any pain or anything. In your soulish realm, you are constantly monitoring that and you are in touch with it. And if I was to say, are you encouraged or discouraged? Are you happy or are you sad? You don't have to say, well, let me pray about it and study and I'll come back and tell you tomorrow how I am. You know it. You just, you are in, you are in touch with your flesh. Your five senses are constantly monitoring you to see if there's pain, if you're hot or if you're cold or whatever, if you have a fever, Uh, you're constantly monitoring your emotions. And we just assume that if there was a part of me that was like Christ, I'd know it. But Jesus said this in John chapter three, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And you must be born again, born from above. You must get a new spirit. What are you saying when he says that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit? It's just a way of saying spirit is spirit, flesh is flesh. There is no connector between these two. You cannot discern what's happening in the spiritual realm by any of your five senses. Your five senses don't, it can't discern the spirit. You'll hear people say things like, man, can't you feel the spirit? You really can't feel the spirit. Jesus even said this. You, you can see the effects of the wind, but you can't, you can't really see the wind. You can see the effects of it. You can see the effects of the spirit. People say things like you feel the spirit. Well, what you're actually feeling is faith. 
Faith is tangible. Faith is something, the anointing of God is something you can put into a piece of cloth and pass it to a person and the anointing can pass through a cloth to a person. Acts 19, 11. The anointing of God is tangible, but the spirit is intangible and it cannot be perceived. You can by faith perceive things and faith can produce things. You can feel faith. You can literally have a goosebump. You can feel the anointing and stuff. But anyway, my point is that when people say that we feel the spirit, you really can't feel the spirit. That which is spirit is spirit and that which is flesh is flesh. So how is it that you know what's going on in the spirit? Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 63. He says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is spirit. God's word tells you what's happening in the spirit world. You can't go look in a mirror and see if you are spiritual and if you're righteous and if you're totally forgiven and if God's with you and if you've got love and joy and peace. You can't search your emotions, but what you can do is go to the word of God. Galatians 5, 22 says the fruit of the spirit. This is talking about capital S, that's Holy Spirit. But the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. The Greek word for one there is hes, H-E-I-S. And it means a singular one to the exclusion of another. You are identical in your spirit with Jesus because Galatians 4 says Christ sent, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Your born again spirit is the spirit of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If somebody says, I don't have the spirit of Christ, well, then you aren't truly born again. Because if when you get born again, you become a new creation. God sends forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, you have the spirit of Christ living on the inside of you. In the spirit, it is Jesus. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I keep pointing to my belly right here because John chapter seven, it says that Jesus spoke out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And then it says this spake he of the spirit, which they that believed on him would receive. So right here in your belly is where your born again spirit is. Some of us look like we got more of the spirit than others, but we don't. <laughs> And so you can't see in the spirit realm. You can't feel. What you have to do is go to the word of God. And this is like a window or like a mirror. You know, if I want to see if my hair's combed, I hope my hair's combed right now. Standing in front of hundreds of people, but I don't know if it is. And you know what? I can't tell if my hair's combed by feeling. You know what I do? I go look in a mirror and I just trust what I see. Did you know when you look in a mirror, you aren't really seeing yourself? Some of you are thinking, oh, yes, I am. No, you aren't. You're seeing a reflection of yourself. You've never seen your face. You've never seen the top of your head. You've never seen the back of your head. You can't look directly at it. You know what you were doing? You're seeing a reflection. We were just recently in Uganda, and there was this big old mirror beside the um, elevators. And it was, it was not a good mirror. And, uh, I mean, it'd make you look tall and skinny or short and fat, depending on, it was, had waves in it and stuff. Hadn't you ever seen a mirror that misrepresented you? How do you know that when you look in a mirror that that's really the right representation? 
Every one of us has looked into a mirror that made you look tall and skinny or short and fat. How do you know what you're seeing is correct? I'm not trying to get you to doubt your mirror. I'm just saying that, you know, in reality, you look at something and you just take it by faith that that's the way that you look. When you see a picture, you take it by faith that that's you. How do you know they didn't touch it up? Amen. See, we assume a lot of things, but then when it comes to the spiritual realm, well, I'm not going to be weird. I don't know what things are like. You can know this is a spiritual mirror. Uh, James chapter one says, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty is like a man beholding his face in a glass, talking about in a mirror. And he beholds himself and looks and sees who he is. Looking in the word of God is like looking in a spiritual mirror. If I want to see if my hair is combed, I can't go by how I feel. I have to go look and see and I just take that as being an accurate representation and I act accordingly. I can't go by how I feel. People all the time tell me, if I had the power of God on the inside of me, I'd know it. No, you wouldn't. It's only spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says, The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You cannot feel and just know things by your natural physical feelings. You've got to go by what the Word says. Now, there are such things as spiritual perception, and I hadn't got time to explain that, but it's not the same as your physical perception. There are people that think if you really have the anointing, you'd have a physical tingling, or you'd feel the burning, or you would have goosebumps going up and down your spine. And if they can't discern something physically, tangibly, then they don't believe that it exists. Man, I've got so much on this. Second Corinthians chapter, I mean, Second Kings chapter 6 talks about Elijah who had been giving away the military secrets of the king of Israel. And so the king of Syria came and surrounded him and his servant got up in the morning and he saw all of the thousands and thousands of enemy troops surrounding them. He knew why they were there because they had been giving away the military secrets of the king of Syria. And so the servant says, alas, my master, how shall we do? Old English for he panicked. Like, what are we going to do? And Elijah said, fear not, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. Did you know people who only think what they can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, their five senses, that's reality and nothing else is reality. And there's a lot of Christians that think that that's true. They think that when you sit here and say, I'm healed in the name of Jesus, that that's not real. But if you'll say it long enough, it'll become real. That's what gives faith a bad name is people faking it until they make it. But see what you're doing is I'm just saying what the word says, what is true in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, I have the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. Ephesians chapter one, verse 19. I've already got resurrection power and it's at my disposal. And it's not wrong for me to say by his stripes I'm healed as long as I understand that that is a spiritual reality And when I speak it, I have life and death in the power of my tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. And I can release that life with my words. And so I'm not faking it. I'm not just saying, well, I'm healed when I'm really not healed. Thinking if I keep saying it, I really will be healed. No, I really am healed in my spirit. 
And I know that my words are a way of taking what's in the spirit and bringing it over into the physical. And so I'm not faking it. I'm not lying about something. I am saying what is true, but it's spiritually true. And by my speaking it, it becomes a physical reality. People that don't understand that, see, look at Elisha and think, well, he lied. Because you could count the enemies out there, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, and then you look over and go, one, two. In the natural, if all you're doing is going by your five senses, Elisha lied. There was two of them and thousands of the enemy. But of course, Gehazi didn't understand what he was saying. And so Elisha said, Lord, open up the young man's eyes. He wasn't talking about his physical eyes. His physical eyes were as big as saucers. He was looking at the enemy. He was talking about open up the eyes of his heart. Let him see into the spiritual realm. And all of a sudden he saw and there were horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha on the mountains. Did you know Elisha didn't just say something was so when it really wasn't so, hoping it would become so. Elisha said what was so. It was true, but it was spiritual true. And he knew that those things existed. The Bible doesn't say Elisha ever saw him. He didn't need to see him. He believed it. He had already seen the horses and chariots of fire when his master Elijah got caught up into heaven and he knew they existed, but he didn't see him at that time. And when, when the servants saw the uh, horses and chariots of fire on the mountains, the Syrians didn't disappear. It didn't automatically change the physical realm. It, there are spiritual realities that are true at the same time there are physical realities that are totally opposite. It is true that by the stripes of Jesus you were healed, 1 Peter 2.24. 2, uh, 2, it's already been done. You were healed. And somebody says, no, I'm not. I still feel the pain. Well, which is true, both of them. In the spirit, you were healed. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead and you are healed. And which are you going to obey? Are you going to go by what's true in the spirit or are you one that's limited to your five senses? That's what the Bible calls carnal. The word carnal to most people means sinful, bad, but the word carnal literally means of the five senses. The literal definition of the Greek word carnal it, it means the flesh as stripped of skin. Not just talking about your skin, but just flesh, meat. Like when you use chili con carne. Did you know that the word carne, it comes from the exact same word that carnal comes from. It means chili with meat. When you're talking about carnal, you're talking about meat, just flesh, just natural carnal discerning thing. When you say somebody's carnally minded, you're calling them a meathead. And sad to say, this is what most of us are. Most of us can't believe anything exists that you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. But Elisha prayed and all of a sudden the guy's eyes were opened up and you know what? There was a spiritual world that exists. There is a spiritual world that exists in here tonight. There are angels and demons in here by the thousands and thousands and thousands. And somebody says, well, I don't see them. That doesn't mean they aren't here. It just means you're carnal. You know what? There's radio and television signals in here. Somebody said, I don't believe it. Why? Because I can't see it. I can't hear it. It doesn't mean they aren't here. It just means you aren't very smart. I could take a television set and I could put it up here and plug it on, plug it in, turn it on, tune it in. And did you know what? When you start seeing a television signal, it's not when the signal comes. The signal's already here. 
You just can't see it or hear it because it's in a different realm that you can't see and perceive. But you can take something that doesn't generate a television signal. All it does is receive it and rebroadcast it. It doesn't generate it. If you go turn off the television tower, you can turn on that television and all it'll do is just uh, put snow out. It won't do anything. It doesn't generate. It doesn't produce a signal. It receives what's already here. There is a spiritual world that exists. Most people will acknowledge that there's radio and television signals that exist that we can't see or hear and you use it and we benefit from it. But then we, just, we can't believe that anything exists that we can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. I know you prayed for me and the Bible says that if you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, but I don't feel well and so I'm just gonna be real. I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. I just wanna be real. I'm trying to be honest. I'm not healed. All you are is carnal. You're just going by what you feel. You can't believe that anything has happened if you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel it. If your little peanut brain can't perceive it, then it doesn't exist is the way that most people look at it. And that's exactly the reason that you haven't seen manifestation yet. You have to recognize that there is a spiritual world out there and there's a spiritual world on the inside of you. There is a spiritual you that when you got born again, it's the spirit part of you that got changed. And in the spirit, you are a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You know, for time's sake, I'm just going to quote some things quickly. Hope uh, Lori can keep up with this. (laughs) Amen. Uh, I'm just going to start quoting some scriptures because I can quote more, cover more ground. You can get the CD and listen to it or write it down and look this up. But Ephesians chapter four, verse 24 says, put on the new man, which after Christ is created in righteousness and true holiness. You were created righteous. You aren't in the process of becoming righteous. You don't have to pray and ask God to make you righteous. You were created righteous. When you got born again, the instant you were born again, you're righteous and truly holy, implying that there's false holiness. You know what false holiness is? All of your good works all of your self-righteousness, your righteousness as compared to me. But compared to Jesus, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But in your spirit, when you get born again, you are created in righteousness and true holiness and you never lose it. You are as righteous as you will ever be. You are as righteous as Jesus is because it was his righteousness that was imputed unto you. In Romans chapter five, there are five different times in the latter part of that chapter that it says in the same way that we became a sinner through what Adam did, we became righteous through what Jesus did. In the same way that death entered into every single person through Adam, now life has entered into us through Jesus. And all of these things are already true in the spirit. If you're praying saying, oh God, make me righteous, you're just, you're wasting your time. You can't get more righteous. Somebody said, oh, but you don't know how I'm acting. You're talking about your flesh. Your flesh is up and down and in and out. And yes, you do get better in your actions, but in your spirit, you are totally righteous. And somebody says, but I've got to have it out here in the flesh before God will accept me. Again, I go back to John chapter four, verse 24. God is a spirit and those who worship him must 
worship him in spirit and in truth. You could say it this way. Those who connect with God must connect through the spirit, through who you are in Christ, not through your actions out here. Those who truly have fellowship with God must fellowship with him through the spirit and not through your flesh. And yet most of us, we know that God exists and we know that he has power, but we think he's looking on the outside. First Samuel chapter 16, verse seven says, don't look on the height of his stature or anything else because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. You have a tendency to judge me based on what I look like here and how I act and all of these things. You do the same thing to yourself, but God looks on your heart. And he looks beyond your soulish realm. He is looking at your born again spirit. And in your born again spirit, you were created righteous and truly holy, Ephesians 4, 24. He, when he sees you, you are as righteous as Jesus is. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. It didn't say as Jesus is going to be or as Jesus was. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Not so are we going to be in the future when we all get to heaven. What a day that will be. No, right this moment, you are identical to Jesus right now because it was the spirit of his son sent into your heart crying, Abba, Father, Galatians chapter four. You have the spirit of Christ, Romans chapter eight, verse nine. In your spirit, you are identical to Jesus. Again, a verse I've already quoted is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. He that is joined unto the Lord, that's another terminology for if you're born again, if you're saved. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. A singular word, the Greek word has a singular one to the exclusion of another. You aren't similar. You aren't going in parallel ways and here's God way up here and you're down here much less No, you are identical in the spirit realm. If there's such a thing as molecules or atoms, you are molecule for molecule, atom for atom, identical to Jesus in your spirit. One third of your salvation is over. Your spirit is complete. It says that in Colossians chapter two, verse nine and 10, that we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete. It's done. It's over. In the spirit, you are identical to Jesus. As Jesus is, so are you. Do you think Jesus is disturbed? Do you think he's depressed? People who are sitting here saying, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm believing God to take away my depression. You're in the flesh. It's only your emotions that can get depressed. Your spirit man cannot be depressed. It's identical to Jesus. So you've solved the problem. You know what? You're living in your carnal self. You're living like a lost man, like a man that doesn't have God living on the inside of him. You don't know who you are in the spirit. Every time you've been depressed and discouraged and crying and belly aching about how bad everything is, your spirit has been jumping up and down and basking in the presence of God. Galatians 5.22 shows you the fruit of the spirit. It says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. That tells you what's in your spirit. Love. When somebody treats you bad and you say, oh, I hate this person. God, I know I'm not supposed to, but I hate them. You've solved the problem. Somebody says, how's that? You're in the flesh because your spirit is, has love. 
But this is how I feel. That's your flesh. Your spirit feels love for him. Your spirit is identical to Jesus. And somebody said, well, I just can't be a hypocrite and act like I love them when I really don't. Well, it just depends who you think is you. Do you think this natural self and your carnal mind is the real you? Or do you believe you've been born again and you become a brand new person? Oh, well, the problem is, see, we've got an identity crisis. We don't know that we're a new person. You're still seeing yourself as an old sinner saved by grace. Instead of being the righteousness of God over here and identical to Jesus as Jesus is. And so we we say, well, this is how I feel. And this is, I'm just going to be real. No, you're just going to be carnal. That's what it is. I've had people spit in my face. I wanted, I felt like punching their lights out. I've been kidnapped. I've been threatened to be killed. I've had a lot of things happen that I feel things just like anybody else. But praise God, I know that there's a part of me that has been changed and I'm identical to Jesus and I have a choice now. Am I going to go by how I feel? Am I going to sit there and be angry towards people and treat them bad because they treated me badly? I know that the Bible says I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. I know that I'm supposed to forgive those who have done wrong to me, but I don't feel like it. I've learned that I don't have to be bound by how I feel. It doesn't matter if I hate a person, what they've done in my natural self. I just sit there and say, that's not the born again me. The born again me is identical to Jesus. As Jesus is, so am I. And I have love, joy, and peace. And I have the ability to love this person. And I'll sit there and go ahead and love them and bless them. Even when I feel like I want to just punch their lights out. And you know what? I've learned that when I do that and act that way, it doesn't take very long before my physical, natural emotions subside and my spirit man takes over and I get to where I honestly love people who've treated me bad. I've actually forgotten. There's people that have tried, they've lied about me, said I stole money from the church, that I committed adultery, that I was doing drugs, that I was getting drunk. They lied about me. I confronted them and within a week I had forgotten that they said it. Went in to see them and I couldn't understand why they weren't being nice to me. And I'd forgotten what they said because you know what? I just chose to forget it. I chose to forgive them. I knew it wasn't true. Some people think you can't live that way. Don't wake me up. This is how I'm living. I am a new person in Christ. And I found out that as Jesus is, that's the way that I am. And to the best of my ability, I'm trying to let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus, 1 Peter chapter 4, who being in the, I mean, excuse me, that's in Philippians chapter 2, but that's a great scripture too. Amen. <laughs> let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know why? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 says, we have the mind of Christ. That's not talking about your peanut brain up here. You can prove that by, you were looking for your glasses the other day and they were on top of your head. Jesus is smarter than that. This isn't talking about your physical brain, but in the spirit, you have the mind of Christ. Colossians 3.10 says, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. First John chapter two, verse 20 says, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Somebody says, I don't know all things. Not with your peanut brain, but in your spirit, you know all things. All things. This is one, man, I'm just, uh, I'm giving you a shotgun blast. This is my last time. I'm talking as fast as I can go. You need to get those teachings because they'll slow down 
But you know what? This is one reason that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important is because the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, that if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. The part of you that has an unction from the Holy One and knows all things, 1 John 2, 20. The part of you that has been renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. The part of you that has the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. That part of you that is infinite, When you pray in tongues, you're praying the hidden wisdom of God. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, if I pray in tongues, pray also that I interpret. So when I come into problems, all I've got to do is say, Father, with my little peanut brain, I don't know what the answer to this is, but I've got a spirit on the inside of me that has the mind of Christ. It knows all things. I've been renewed in knowledge. And when I speak in tongues, I'm speaking this wisdom right out of my mouth. So I'm going to start praying in tongues and I pray that I interpret. And all I do is just start waiting on God to start making my understanding come alive. And I've done this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times when I haven't known what to do. I just start praying in tongues and ask God for an interpretation and God gives me wisdom and God shows me what to do. I don't have any mercy on people that say, well, I just don't know what to do. Well, do you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah. Well, then use it. Speak in tongues and ask for an interpretation and use it. Don't act like a person that doesn't have, don't sing this song about further along we'll understand why. Further along we'll know more about it. Cheer up, my brother, because it's miserable now, but someday it'll be better. No, right now, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 16, 17, 18, something, 19. It says, don't be ignorant, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's a command. We've got the mind of Christ. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues and ask for an interpretation. But see, most people are living out of just the human, the natural part. They aren't realizing they are a brand new creature that is now completely changed. And so they go through life just admitting their weaknesses and saying, I'm only human. I'm just a man. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. That song will kill you. (laughs) I am not a human. I am not only human. I am not just a man. One third of me is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. One third of me is identical to Jesus. And when the doctor tells me I'm going to die, all he's doing is looking at my physical body. He can't see that I have the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. I have to believe that and I have to start speaking it and release this power by the things that I believe. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we're living way below our privileges because most of us only functionally acknowledge that there's two parts, the body and the soul. And so you'll pray and say, oh God, please heal me. And if you don't feel a tingle, If you don't have an anointing and a rush, if you don't feel a heat, if you go to the doctor and if the doctor doesn't say you're well, well, then nothing happened. How do you know nothing happened? Because I don't feel it. The doctor couldn't find it. All a doctor can do is search the physical realm. They can't tell you what's in your spirit. They can't tell you that you got the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Ephesians 1, 19. He's praying that your eyes would be open in verse 18, that you might understand and see these things. And then verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. 
That's the kind of power that you have on the inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's not out there somewhere that you got to pray past the demons. People will pray, oh man, we're trying to clear a heaven over Minneapolis and get our prayers up to God. (laughs) Stupid. That's just stupid. (laughs) Was that too blunt? Did anybody miss that? You don't need to clear a heaven. That was in Daniel chapter 8, I mean chapter 9 and chapter 10. Old Testament. And there were demonic powers that hindered it. But in the New Testament, you don't need your prayers to get above the ceiling, up through the uh, heavens, up to God. God lives right here on the inside. That's why you bow your head when you pray, is so that you can talk to God. Father. You don't need your prayers to get above your nose. Man, God lives on the end. If you start, oh, I'm trying to get my prayers past the demons and we're trying to break their power. The devil's got you out here fighting things that don't even exist. There are demons and principalities and stuff, but I tell you, God lives on the inside of you. You don't have to go through all this religious calisthenics that people are preaching today. It's because people don't know who they are in Christ. It's because they don't know what they have. And so the doctor tells you you're going to die and you fall apart like a $2 suitcase because you don't know who you are in Christ. I had a woman come up to me one time and she had just gotten married. She wanted a dozen kids. Somebody groaned over here. She was young, didn't know any better. And she wanted a dozen kids. And anyway, they... uh, They were ministers and they were gone for six months at a time and word came back that this woman was pregnant. So everybody rejoiced and was excited because she was pregnant. So when she got back, she went to the doctor, found out it was a tubular pregnancy. And I always get this mixed up, so I'm going to try and avoid saying what it is because my wife always corrects me. But anyway, she wasn't pregnant. And the doctor said that she only had a 50-50 chance of living and that was if they removed all of her female organs And if they did that, she might live, but of course, obviously she'd have no children. And so I'd heard this report. She came up to me on a Wednesday night. I was talking to somebody. I was telling a joke and I was laughing with somebody and she tapped me on the shoulder and she was crying and she says, Andrew, did you hear that I'm not pregnant and that it's a tubular pregnancy? And I just laughed. I was, I'd been telling a joke. And I laughed at her. I said, it's no big deal. I said, it's nothing for God. I said, man, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And it's just like I slapped her. She just instantly quit crying. And she looked at me and she says, what are you saying? And I said, it's not like it's a big thing for God to heal you of whatever this is. I said, it's, it's no big deal. And she says, would you come over to my house and talk to me and my husband? So Jamie and I went over and we visited with them and they showed us all the doctor's reports. And I said, you can do what you want to do. You can go ahead and get surgery and have all these parts removed. But if you do, you aren't going to get pregnant. And she says, well, what option do I have? And I said, why don't you just believe God? And she said, but the doctor says it's incurable. And I said, but God says anything is curable. And I just told her, basically refocused her attention away from the natural realm and on the spiritual realm. And I said, it's no problem for God to heal you. 
And so she decided to stand and believe God. And so Jamie and I prayed with her. The doctors, of course, got very upset. And because of liability issues, they made her sign page after page after page of documents that when she died, they wouldn't be held liable. They, they told her this was the stupidest thing she'd ever done. That, that's been over 20 years ago and four children ago that she had natural childbirth. And you know why that happened? Because somebody was thinking about who we are in the spirit and what we have. But most people, when they approach it, the doctor tells you you're going to die and you just fold, you cave because after all, the doctor knows everything. The doctor only knows what he can see, what he can prove in a test. He doesn't know squat about what's going on in the spirit realm. He doesn't know who you are in Christ. And most Christians are intimidated by doctors. You need to get to a place to where, you know, bless the doctor's heart. I'm not against doctors. If it hadn't been for doctors, all the Christians would have been dead. Amen. So I'm not against doctors, but I'm just saying they're just in the natural. They can only go so much. They can't tell you what's going on in the spiritual. And most of us are more tuned in and more controlled and dominated by the natural realm than we are the spiritual realm. And that's the reason that many Christians are just as sick as their unbelieving neighbors. And the whole time you've got the same anointing that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of you inches away from the thing that's killing you. But it has to get from there through your brain and out into the flesh. And that's the problem. We haven't renewed our mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This power is in the spirit and that power has to flow through your mind into the physical realm. If you can imagine a pipe up above my head and over on this side is like the spirit and in there is life and health, resurrection power, enough power to raise you from the dead, to give you financial blessings, to make you happy, joy, peace, love, joy, peace. Everything that we've talked about in the spirits over here. And over here is the physical body, the spout where everything comes out. But in the middle, your mind is like the tap or the faucet. Your mind, if it's crossways to what the Word of God says, you can stop the flow of the Spirit so that not one drop comes out over here. You can have the life of God on the inside of you, which if you're born again, you do have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. But if you're going here, but the doctor says, you just shut off the valve and not one ounce, not one drop of this life-giving power will flow through your physical body and you can die of sickness and disease because your mind is unrenewed. Your three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit's perfect, as perfect as it'll ever be. It's identical to Jesus. Uh, it's just a simple majority. If you get your mind in agreement with your soul, that's two against one. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, to be carnally minded is death. Carnally minded is minded according to what the flesh says, what you feel in your body, what the doctor says, what the banker says. Carnally minded is just of the five senses. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you are thinking in agreement, if your mind is renewed, and if there isn't any obstruction in your mind to who you are in Christ, then this life and power that's in your spirit will flow into your flesh, and it's impossible for you to die being spiritually minded. Spiritually minded is life and peace. 
If you're dying, you haven't renewed your mind. And that doesn't just limit itself to you dying physically. It's talking about emotionally. If you're discouraged, if you're depressed, if you're fearful, if you're shy, if you are bound in any area, if you're hurt still because of what happened to you when you were a little kid, pull your thumb out of your mouth and grow up and realize who you are in Christ and renew your mind. And then this love, joy, and peace that's in your spirit will flow over into your physical body and you'll rejoice and praise God. Amen. You know, most people don't like this because it takes away all of your excuses. You no longer have an excuse for being a dud. You no longer have an excuse for limping through life and having all of these problems. It puts responsibility on you. Jesus has given you everything it takes to succeed. Everything that it takes for you to be raised from the dead physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, in any area, God's given you everything that you need. And if you aren't at manifesting it, it's not because you hadn't prayed and begged God enough. It's because you haven't renewed your mind to what you've already got. You've already got this power. It's at your disposal. If you aren't just full of joy, don't beg God to give you joy. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You've already got it. Just turn it on. Get your mind renewed. Start thinking about who you are in Christ and start praising Him. Father, I've got your joy. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11, I believe it is. And if you are truly in the presence of the Lord, which you always are, all you got to do is get your mind stayed upon it. It says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, that the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. If you don't have perfect peace, it's because your mind is crossways to God and you aren't allowing this love, joy, and peace to flow through. I have people come to me all the time and say, Brother, would you please pray that God would just pour out His love in my life? And I say, no, I won't do that. God forbid that I would ever pray God would pour out His love in your life. And people look at me like, well, what's wrong with that? Because the Bible says that God's already commended His love toward us. You already have in your spirit love, joy, and peace. You don't need God to love you. That's like saying that God's the one that turned off the spigot. I don't feel the love of God. So would you please pray that God would pour out his love? God's not your problem. God's not the one who quit loving you and turned it off. It's you that got your attention off of the things of God. And you're thinking carnally. And that's the reason you don't feel the love of God. If you don't feel the love of God, it's you that's feeling wrong. It's not God who's not giving. It's constant. And so anytime you don't feel the love of God, what you need to do is repent and say, Father, forgive me for being carnal. Forgive me for being only in the flesh because I know in the spirit I have love, joy, and peace. And you just go back and start reminding yourself of what he's done. Thank you, Father, that my spirit is rejoicing. And you just by faith start praising God, whether you feel like it or not. And when you do that, it's like sticking a bucket down in a well and you start drawing out the love, joy, and peace that was already in you. If you aren't feeling happy, it's your fault. Because you've got love, joy, and peace on the inside of you. You should be as happy as you want to be. Lots of people don't like that. 
But I'm telling you, it's been over 40 something years since I've been depressed because I learned these truths. And every time I feel depression knocking and coming at my heart, I start rejoicing and go back to man, father, thank you. I've got love, joy, and peace. And I am not going to be carnal. I'm not going to go by how I feel. I have bad things happen to me the same as anybody else has things happen to them. I can be as depressed and discouraged as any person in here. I got to have $40 million above my $20 million a year budget. I could be depressed if I got to thinking about that. You know what? My son died and my oldest son woke us up 4.15 in the morning. We came in about 2 o'clock in the morning from Mexico. Had just arrived. Had two hours sleep and I got a phone call from my oldest son, Joshua. And he said, Dad, I'm sorry, but my... You know, uh, Peter, my son, his brother is dead. And uh, so I said, don't let anybody touch him until we get there. And we live an hour out of town. We had to get up and get dressed. So it was an hour and 15, 20 minutes before we could get into town. We live so far out, our cell phones don't work. You know what? I had thoughts. I had feelings come to me like grief, sorrow, God, how could this happen? I had everything that anybody in here would feel. I started feeling those things. I feel. Some people, now don't you do this. Don't do that, Lori. You're brand new. You can be replaced. Oh, you can put it up there. There's, they have a picture of me that they call Android Womack because people think I don't have emotions. But I do have emotions, amen. Oh, they are. Thank you, Lori. You're a good. Uh, they've done this to me before. People think I don't feel things. It's just that I've got a choice. Am I going to go by what I feel or am I going to go by what the Word says? I started to feel anything that anybody would feel when your son died. But I knew that if I let my emotions get out of control, that he was gone. And I just chose not to do that. And I started praising God. I didn't in my flesh feel like praising God. I just had the information that my son was dead. But I don't like being depressed. I don't like being discouraged. And I refuse to be that way. And some people think, well, you're in denial. I am in denial. (laughs) I deny that I am only human. I deny that all there is is these feelings and I've got to indulge them. There isn't just these feelings. I've got a part of me that is sitting in heavenly places with Christ and it's far above all of these things. And I've got love, joy, and peace. And I just started praising God. I started saying, Father, you are a good God. You did not kill my son. I am not mad at you. Whether my son comes back to life or not, I am not going to get mad at you and gripe and complain. And I just started praising God. And you know, I did it by faith. I didn't feel like doing it, but I did it because that's what the word reveals to me that I'm like in the spirit. So I acted on who I am in the spirit and not on who I am in the flesh. And within just minutes of starting to praise God, the Lord brought prophecies back to me that hadn't come to pass. I knew they were from God. And all of a sudden it's like the dots connected and I just knew that I knew that I knew that my son was going to be raised from the dead. He'd been dead for over four hours when I got the call. 
And when we got into town, my oldest son, Joshua, met me and said, Dad, I don't know what happened, but five or ten minutes after you, after I called you, Peter just sat up, started talking. He was, he was already stripped naked. They had him in a cooler in a morgue with a toe tag on. And after being dead for nearly five hours, he just sat up and no brain damage, no more than he had before. And it was the next year that he had a little daughter, our granddaughter, that wouldn't have been here. And you know how all of that happened? Yes, it was God's power, but you know what? He has to flow through us. And the thing that allowed that to happen was that I knew who I was in Christ and I knew I didn't have to cave in and act like I was only human. I didn't have to sit there and let grief dominate me and control me. And because of it, I was able to control my emotions and start praising God based on who I am in Christ. And it changed my life. And I take these same things and apply it when I need wisdom about something. I'll pray in tongues and believe that that spirit man is praying the hidden wisdom of God. And I'll pray that I interpret. I don't approach life as if I'm only human. I don't sit there and listen to the doctor, to the banker, to the lawyer and take their word as absolute and final. There is a spiritual world and a spiritual me that exists and I face things based on all of that. I'm facing challenges right now with this building project that are way beyond my physical ability. But my spiritual ability, I can do all things through Christ. And you hide and watch. Some of you think, well, man, $40 billion above your normal operating expense, you'll never get it done. You just hide and watch. Amen. And when it happens, you won't be able to say it was your faith that did it. We had some people come stay at our lodge and one of our Bible college directors from South Africa was there and she says, I just can't believe it. And I said, well, wasn't your faith that got this. Boy, she went to repenting real quick and said, you need to stay in the spirit, praise God. You ought to be able to believe these things. Brothers and sisters, we are awesome in our spirit. The problem is our brain doesn't know who we are. Our brain is carnal. That's two against one. And the life that's in your spirit just gets shut off because we are carnally minded. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you could start approaching life based on who you are in Christ. Instead of getting up in the morning and feeling, oh, how do I feel this morning? Go to the Word and find out how do I feel this morning. Oh, according to Ephesians 1, 3, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. I've got love, joy, and peace. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you start thinking about who you are in Christ and you know what? It'll change your whole day. It'll change the way you respond to everything else. And you can start walking like an overcomer like a person who's God possessed instead of just an old sinner saved by grace. I was an old sinner, but I got saved by grace and I am now the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians five twenty one. I am the righteous. I was created in righteousness and true holiness as Jesus is. That's the way I am right now. You can't see it. I can't look in a mirror and see it, but that's what the Bible says. That's who I am in the spirit. And I'm basing my life on that. And to the best of my ability, I'm trying to act on who I am in Christ. And to the degree that I believe it, I am seeing supernatural things come out of a natural body. 
Man, I wished I could just open up your brain and make, and make an adjustment and make you believe this. But you have to renew your mind. It takes effort on your part. And you aren't going to hear this on the local news. You aren't going to hear this watching as the stomach turns on the television. It's going to take some effort. You're going to have to get into the word. And sad to say, even a lot of preachers aren't preaching this, but instead they're just talking about how terrible it is. That's the reason I hate most of what they call Christian music because it's just singing about, oh, how tough it is. And would somebody please come help me? And oh God, could you help me to be better? And they're ignoring that they're a brand new person on the inside. They aren't celebrating what they have. They're just reinforcing the flesh and all of your carnal feelings and hurts and pains. All most Christian music is, is country and Western Christian stuff. Just wailing in the Wichita lineman, travailing, wailing about all of the stuff that's going on. Man, you ought to be celebrating who you are in Christ. That's the reason I like Charlie and Jill's music. It's because, man, it glorifies the Lord and talks about who we are and things like this. You got to do things that build you up and focus your attention on who you are in Christ. There's not a lot of people that will tell you this, but the Word will tell you that. And this revelation just changed my life. When I was in Vietnam, I would never sing that song, I've got joy like a fountain, peace like an ocean, or love like the ocean. I I forget how it goes now, but I'd never sing that song because I wasn't going to be a hypocrite. I was miserable and I wanted to be honest about it. (laughs) And when I finally got this revelation, I just could have kicked myself because the truth was I did have joy like a fountain and peace, love like the ocean and all of these things the whole time. And I didn't even know it. I wouldn't sing. I've got Victory in Jesus, because I wasn't going to be a hypocrite. And the truth was, I did have victory in Jesus. And the only problem was, I didn't believe it. Amen. There's some of you praying and asking God for everything that He's already given you. You've already got it. Your little spirit is perfect. It's your head that's the problem. Well, I'm trying to get the Word down into my spirit. Your spirit doesn't need the Word. It's perfect. It's complete. It's your head that needs the Word. You need to renew your mind and be transformed by the renewing of your mind and find out who you are in Christ. If you are born again, you've got all of the answers that you need. You've got all of the power that you need. You've got everything in you that Jesus had in Him as He is. So are you in this world. All you got to do is renew your mind and begin to start seeing who you are in Christ. Change your identity. Start saying, I can do everything. I will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I will not die, but I am going to live and declare the works of the Lord. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you just start speaking what God says about you. And to the degree that you believe it, that's two against one and your physical body will submit. And you'll experience prosperity and joy and peace and healing and deliverance and all of these things. If you aren't experiencing the goodness of God, it's not because God hasn't given it. It's because you haven't renewed your mind to it. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. We're perishing because we don't know who we are. Because we're identifying with our flesh. We're singing songs. I'm only human. I am not only human. Man, I am one third Holy Ghost. One third as Jesus is. And I'm probably now about maybe 40 or 50%. Part of my mind is renewed. Amen. (laughs) So 
Praise God, I'm seeing good things happen. Isn't that good? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I don't know how you can just sit there. Man, this changed my life. This is good news. This is nearly too good to be true news. And this explains all kinds of... This explains how God can now deal with us separate from our performance because He's a spirit and He's looking at you in the spirit. He's not looking at the stupid things you do out here in your flesh and the wrong things that you think. He's looking at you in your spirit and He's just pleased with you. You're awesome. You are His workmanship. Boy, this has answered a million questions. Everything I know and teach comes out of this revelation. And I promise you, I've been meditating on this for over 40 years You didn't get everything that the Lord showed me about this tonight. You need to take this and meditate on it. You need to get that teaching on spirit, soul, and body. And you need to study it. And if you you read that or listen to it and it doesn't change your life, you missed it. Listen to it again because I guarantee you what you need is in there. This will change your life. If you aren't born again, then you know everything I've said tonight does not apply to you. You may be a good person. You may go to church. You may pay your tithes. You may be better than I am. You may live better than anybody in here. But if you haven't gotten born again, your spirit is dead on the inside and you don't have the life of God. You aren't like Jesus. You are of your father, the devil is what Jesus said. You have a dead spirit that is united to the devil. Christianity is not just an observance of certain rules and going to a church and trying to be good. It is a heart change. You become a new person on the inside. And there may be somebody here that you've been going to church and you believe that God exists. You may even believe that Jesus is the son of God. But have you been changed on the heart level? Are you a new person? If you haven't, if all you've been doing is just going to church and trying to be good, then the things that I've said tonight aren't true of you. You have a human, dead spirit on the inside. You haven't been born from above. You need to be born again. You need God to place His spirit on the inside of you. And then once you get born again, you need the Holy Spirit, as I was talking about tonight, to enable you to see. You can't see who you are in the spirit. You've got to go to the Word of God and you need the Holy Spirit that wrote the Word to explain it to you and to tell you these things. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and understanding. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody here tonight who has not received either this salvation, you haven't been born again in your spirit, or if you're born again, you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't speak in tongues, but you'd like to receive it. Anybody here like that? If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Here's somebody over here. Anybody else? Here's people over here. We've had 225 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this week. Isn't that wonderful? But there's people here tonight that still need to receive. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? And we want to pray with you and help you to receive here tonight. Come forward and we're going to help you to receive. Praise the Lord. Good. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this great? Awesome. You're never going to be the same. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thanks for coming. God bless you. You're here with her. Okay. 
Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? Hallelujah. You know, we're asking for something that you can't see. It'll be like what I was talking about here tonight. You're going to have to have faith. And some of you, I've had people come before and they pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they don't feel a tingle. They don't have a goosebump go up and down their spine. And so I say, well, did you get the Holy Spirit? No, nothing happened. Why? Because I didn't feel anything. That doesn't mean that God didn't give you the Holy Spirit. It just means that you're living in that carnal realm and you can't perceive anything except what you feel. You're going to have to operate in faith, but the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And if you can operate in faith, I guarantee you this will change your life. Before we can pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the scripture says that Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. You have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. So you have to be born again. You must have your heart changed the way that I was talking about tonight. Is there anybody up here who isn't certain that that's happened to you? You aren't sure that you've really been born again yet. Anybody here, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I got to pray with you first before we can get you born again. If you aren't sure, it hasn't happened because when it happens, you know that you've been saved. You know that you're different on the inside. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You just got to be sure. Amen. You know what we're going to do? We're going to pray with you. And Jesus already paid for your sin. He already died for your sins. And he said in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And saying that he's Lord is more than just saying the words. It means that you're turning your life over. You're giving him control of your life. You won't do it perfectly. It doesn't mean you'll never sin, but it means that you're willing for him to start controlling your life. You willing to do that? All right, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'd like everybody to pray this prayer so that she won't just feel like everybody's listening to her. And if you will say this and mean it from your heart, then just like I was preaching tonight, you're going to become a totally brand new creature on the inside. You'll pass from death unto life. Everything will be different. Isn't that awesome? Man, thank God for Jesus. What a great deal. Makes me want to get born again again. Let's everybody pray this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. You believe that? Welcome to the family. Awesome. Man, you're a brand new person on the inside. Isn't that awesome? Now, according to Scripture, all of us have said that Jesus is our Lord, that we're born again. According to Scripture, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what he, on the inside, she just became a brand new person and she was created for God to fill with the Holy Spirit. Every one of you were created for that purpose. So you don't have to wonder, will God do it? You don't have to beg Him. 
God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit more than you want to be filled. He's been waiting on this. God's been waiting a long time for some of you to come to this place to where you will draw on the power of the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to beg. All you got to do is ask. And it says in Luke 10, 13, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? All you got to do is ask and he's just going to give. So we're going to ask one time. We aren't going to beg. We're just going to ask. And then I'd like our prayer ministers to come up here. And these are people that already have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. The Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. So we're going to lay hands on you and release the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to ask. They're going to lay hands on you and release this power into you. And then I want you to quit asking. There's a time to ask and then there's a time to believe. And I, we're, after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking and instead start thanking God by faith. That Father, I don't care what it feels like. You promised. I've got it. You gave me the Holy Spirit. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, after they lay hands on you, I want you to lift your hands like when somebody sticks a gun in your back. And you go, I surrender. I yield. This is your way of yielding to God. And I want you to lift your hands and start thanking God that you have the Holy Spirit. And then those of us that already have the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues... We are going to start speaking in tongues because the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 17, that when you pray in tongues, your spirit is praying and it's giving thanks. And so we're going to start thanking God in this language that doesn't come from our head. It comes from our heart. And when we do that, I want you to quit thanking in English and switch over to thanking God in speaking in tongues. And I know that you may still have questions. And say, well, I don't know how to do it. I've got a book that will answer your questions and it'll help you. But you can speak in tongues right now. You will be able to speak in tongues. Somebody says, well, does everybody speak in tongues? It's like a pair of tennis shoes. They all come with tongues. Amen. He's going to give every one of you this gift of speaking in tongues. It comes with the deal. It's part of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But he won't force you to speak in tongues. You will have to choose to do it. You do the speaking, the Holy Spirit inspires it. So that's what we're going to do. And I believe that you're going to speak in tongues. The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I am a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you for all of these. Thank you for this lady that just got born again. Totally changed on the inside. As holy as Jesus is, she's now righteous and holy on the inside. Thank you that every one of us are like that. Thank you that we are created now to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. We open up the doors to our temple and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into your home, into your abode. We want you. We want your power. We want this ability to come upon us. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We lay hands on you and release the power of the Holy Spirit right now. We say receive the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We loose this power and anointing to flow into your body right now. Into this temple. And Father, we thank you. Now let's lift your hands and start thanking God. Believe that he's done it. Right here is the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, we loose this power and we thank you that from this time forth, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Now, those of you that know how to pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues. Let's start worshiping God and giving thanks. And as we thank God in our tongue, 
you join with us. You can speak. Brother, don't shake your head no. Shake it yes, 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 yes. You got it, brother. You got the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, I've got the Holy Spirit. Yes, I have the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Just speak right now. You got to open your mouth to talk in tongues. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Some people think, well, I'm not sure this is a language. I've actually heard a language that's nothing but whistles. I heard one that's nothing but clicks of the tongue. And yet it's a known language. You know what? It doesn't matter what it sounds like. You're communing with God from your spirit. Your heavenly father understands. It's like a little child when they first speak. Other people may think, well, that's not mama or daddy. But that dad knows what they're trying to say. Your heavenly father knows what you're trying to say. He hears you speaking from your spirit. And man, God's pleased. Thank you, Jesus. Just be bold. Be bold. Don't worry about it. Be bold. Be bold. Talk out loud. Man, you aren't talking to yourself. You're talking to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I think most of these are speaking in tongues. Man, isn't that great? Power of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life. Isn't that awesome? Have you ever spoken in tongues before? Isn't that great? Well, that's no good. You got to talk in tongues. I, you can't talk in tongues in English at the same time. You know what? Whether you spoke in tongues or not, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit and He gave you the ability to speak in tongues. When I first prayed, when I first prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to give me the gift of tongues, it took me three and a half years to speak in tongues. But that's because I was a Baptist. And I had so much fear and misunderstanding about speaking in tongues that I wouldn't let it come out. The Holy Spirit's not going to force it. And so anyway, it took me a long time. I don't believe anybody had more trouble speaking in tongues than I did. But you know what? I finally got my questions answered. I finally speak in tongues. I speak in tongues a lot. And I got it the first time I asked. I just wasn't flowing in it. So anyway, I've written down all of the problems that I had and I I wrote the scriptural basis for this. It'll explain this. It'll also explain what being born again is. It'll explain to you what happened to you tonight. And anyway, I'd like to give every one of you a book. And even if you didn't speak in tongues tonight, I believe that God gave you this power of the Holy Spirit. You just need to cooperate and learn how to do it. And uh, I'd like to give this book to you so that you can have the full benefit of this. So we've got Ashley right here, the young man with his hand up, and he's going to take you to a room right across the hall and give you this book. If you have a question, they'll answer your question. They'll pray with you. They'll help you any way they can. So if you would, just follow them. It'll only take a minute or two. But we want you to get the full impact 
of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Brother, they'll pray with you that you can walk normal, amen. Won't have to have a wheelchair. Isn't that good? Man, God wants you well. Isn't this great? We've had over 250 people this week receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and maybe a dozen or more receive salvation. Thank you, Jesus. That's just awesome. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, there's a scripture where Paul said he was thanking God for the Thessalonians and he says, when you heard us preach the word, you didn't receive it as the word of man, but you received it as it is in truth, the word of God, which is able to save your souls. And you know what? I really believe that God has brought you here, that God's spoken things into your life. And if you would take this as being God speaking to you and go home and meditate on these things, this really has the potential of just revolutionizing your life. I've shared with you some of the core things that have just transformed my life. And I hadn't arrived, but I've left. I'm not where I used to be. I am seeing God do awesome things. And I can guarantee you what I've shared with you is a key to walking in at least the level of victory that I'm walking in. And I believe that you can go way beyond that. And so I just encourage you to please get the CDs, the DVDs, and please meditate on this. You you didn't get everything. Even if you sat through every session, you need to go over it and over it and over it. So I encourage you to please receive it, not as just the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. These are our prayer ministers here and they're here to pray with you. And if you understand what I was teaching about tonight, you don't have to have somebody who's special. Any person who has the resurrection power of God living on the inside of them and has renewed their mind can release that power. And praise God, I think that we need to get over this thing of the clergy and the laity and some people are anointed and others aren't. The only thing that makes any of us difference is some of us have renewed our minds and are able to release the life that God has put on the inside of us. And these are people that have renewed their mind. They've been through a training with Melinda over here. They know how to take their authority. They know that they have this raising from the dead power and they're just waiting for an opportunity to agree and release that power. So if you would like prayer for anything, Come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers lay hands on you and pray with you. And we're going to release this resurrection power into your body. If your faith's been quickened tonight and if you now are able to understand some things and whether you feel something or not, you can believe that God's power is flowing in your life. This is a great opportunity for you to come and act on the word of God. Amen. We've got people standing at the aisles that are going to direct you towards a certain prayer minister so that everybody won't just get on one side and please cooperate. The rest of you, thank you for coming. Don't forget all of the DVDs, CDs of this meeting and praise God. Please take this word, meditate on it and let God's truth set you free. Praise God. You're dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We agree and we receive your supernatural power in manifestation here tonight. We thank you for changing people's lives. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. You know, I believe I'm speaking by the Spirit of the Lord that there are some people here tonight that God opened up your understanding. You got a nugget of truth. This is just like what happened to me. When I understood this, it's like somebody put a key in my brain and turned it. And all of a sudden, I began to start understanding things. I believe God has spoken to some of you tonight. You don't totally understand it. Maybe you couldn't explain it to somebody else, but in your heart, you know, you had an impartation to you. And this is just, I'm speaking this forth as a confirmation to you that God touched you. God gave you something. Man, go home, begin to meditate on this and don't let go of it. It'll grow. But man, tonight you need to start rejoicing. Even before you get to where you can explain it, totally comprehend it, just go to enjoying it. Know that God has given you a truth, a revelation, and this is going to change your life. Some of you have been desiring for miraculous things to happen through you to touch other people, and you've been praying that God would give you a special anointing or something. And tonight, you got the key. You don't need a special anointing. You just need to renew your mind to who you are, what you've already got. You've already got it. This is going to change your life. I believe that there's going to be some people that'll go into ministry because of what happened tonight. God has just unlocked you and you're going to be going into ministry. You're going to see in hundreds and hundreds of people's lives changed. Lots of people are going to be changed because of what God spoke into your life here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just received this and we stand on this scripture in John 14, 26. But when the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, when He has come, He will teach us all things and lead us into all truth and bring all things to our remembrance, whatever you've spoken to us. Father, I pray that specifically, that you will bring back to people's remembrance these truths that you spoke to them tonight. That, Father, they'll never forget this. I pray that this gets burned into our heart deeply, like a brand that it'll never, it'll never leave. We just agree and we receive this. And we thank you, Father, that it'll never change. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Is that a fire alarm? I've got my staff checking on this. Sometimes they're false alarms. We'll find out in just a second whether this is... We've had some people that have had fires. They've seen fire up on the building because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we don't want to ignore it if it's something real. They'll let me know here in just a minute. Praise the Lord. Well, it ended. We don't know for sure. They said that it might be a tornado warning. But anyway, praise God, we're safe. Power of the Holy Ghost is protecting us. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Father, we just agree and we receive these things now in the name of Jesus. Praise God.
Praise the Lord. It's a door alarm and they're trying to shut it off. Somebody went out the wrong door. <laughs> Praise God. You know, I'm going to let you go tonight. Uh, my staff needs to tear down and it's a late night deal. So I'm going to let you go. But we do have our prayer ministers here and they will be here and they will pray with you. And praise God, if your faith has been quickened, just agree with somebody and take this opportunity to release this raising from the dead power that's on the inside of you. Amen. Don't forget to get the CDs and the DVDs out there. You're dismissed. God bless you.